New Life East family. Uh, when you get this video, I think it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm working with Creative on figuring that out, but I'm recording this on a Monday morning here in the Section 8 green room at New Life Church, and just thinking about this moment that we're in as a community where we can't be together physically, it is just so strange. But I was talking with Aaron Olson, who's sitting over here, on the way over to this shoot this morning, that if there were ever a moment in history for this to happen, now is surely the moment. We have all the technology at our fingertips to be able to stay connected, and it's so beautiful. Uh, hope that you enjoyed our service this past weekend. Um, we record those during the week, and then we're streaming them over Facebook and at eastlive.org, and all of our other platforms are streaming. And it was really fun. I don't know how many of you got a chance to do this, but I hosted a watch party on my Facebook page, and some of you jumped in on that, and we got a chance to interact. So as we're walking through this whole thing, let me just encourage you, family, to use everything at your disposal to try to stay connected, to host watch parties on Sunday. Um, one of the things that we're discovering through this is that a lot of people who have been estranged from the church for a long time, or they're holding the church at arm's length because of social media now and these services going live and us being present on social media when we would normally be in a building like this, it's drawing people back into the church and it's giving us a chance to minister to them. So take advantage of that. It's just such a beautiful thing. We also have, I just if, if you missed it this past week, you missed a gorgeous time together, but 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday night, right here in our main worship space, we're hosting a live worship and prayer meeting. And last Wednesday, I'm telling you, it was, it was bananas just walking around in that room and worshiping and praying just with a small segment of our team. But we knew that so many of you were with us. You were watching from your computers or your phones or whatever. And you could just feel, I could feel connected to you. I, I, I think we all felt that. We felt faith rising. And so we're going to be doing that at least for the next eight weeks or so. Again, you can find that on Facebook or on our website. So tune into those and share those. This is a chance for us to build faith in ourselves and also to reconnect people to the church. So. With that, one of the things that we're going to be doing over the next eight weeks or so as we're not able to meet together is in addition to the Sunday services that we're doing, uh, all of our congregations, so New Life Downtown and New Life Friday Night, New Life East, Manitou, we're creating supplementary materials just to make sure that we're staying connected to you as a congregation. And so we are, uh, we're in the run-up to Easter right now, and uh, Easter is just a few short weeks away. So what I thought I would do over the next eight weeks or so is just take us into some texts in the Gospels that anchor our minds and anchor our hearts in the person of Jesus Christ. So over the next uh, two weeks or so, I'm gonna take you into some texts that kind of get, get us ready for Easter. And then on the other side of Easter, I'll be centering us in texts from the Gospels that get us thinking about just what it means that Christ Jesus is raised from the dead and his resurrection life is among us. So. What I'll encourage you to do with these videos is to grab your Bible. If, you, uh, if you're alone, you can do this in your living room. If you have roommates or family, grab your Bibles and you can sit down in your living room or at the dining room table or whatever and just start working through this together with me. I'm going to give you short meditations and an encouragement based on the text and the gospel. So today, if you have Bibles, I'll invite you to turn in them to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. This is an iconic, famous text in the Gospels, one of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus that we have really in the whole New Testament. So I'm gonna be in John chapter 11, and I want this to feel as much like we're together in church as possible. So I'm gonna read through the text of scripture, make some comments on it, give you an encouragement, but before we get into that, I wanna just invite you to pause and to still your heart and to become reverent before the word of God. And so in this moment, we say, 
Lord, make us still and help us remember that you are God. And now just begin to let a sense of God's presence dawn on you and minister to you. It might be that this video is coming to you at a time where you're very disturbed and you're very fearful. Let the presence of God comfort you and center you. It might be that your mind is very distracted with lots of plans and preparations and things you need to do. Let this moment center you on God. Christ Jesus, we acknowledge your presence among us. We thank you for your glory. We ask that the text of scripture would defeat resistance in us. That it would remind us of the story that we're living in. That it would remind us of the God that we serve. That it would remind us of who we are to you. We pray that you'd wake us up to resurrection life. May these words, the words of the preacher's mouth, O oh God, and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. I know you said it. John chapter 11, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jump over with me to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus has passed away. His dear friend, whom he loves, is buried in the tomb. And Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Mary had met, Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she also said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. And all together we said, thanks be to God. The story is such a beautiful story because it puts a really fine point on who Jesus is for us. And most Jews of the first century around the time of Jesus believed that at the end of history, there would be a great resurrection of the dead. When you look at the Old Testament, that's not as present in the earlier writings of the Old Testament, but as you start getting deeper into the prophets, the prophets have this awareness that because God is the God that he is, the God of covenant, that covenant must exist beyond even the power of the grave. And therefore, because the covenant must exist beyond the power of the grave, God is under a sort of obligation to snatch his people up even from the bowels of death. And so Daniel, at the end of the book of Daniel, says that multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some of them to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. You think of the prophet Ezekiel and his great, uh, his great vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel 37, the bones are everywhere, the bones represent the whole house of Israel and the spirit blows upon them and they wake up out of their graves and he foresees a day coming when the people of God will rise up out of their graves. Exile will end and the creation will be restored. There's a great text in Isaiah I was looking at this morning. Isaiah says, but the dead will live, Yahweh. Their bodies will rise and let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. So this hope of resurrection and life was always held out in front of the people of God and they cherished it in their hearts. What nobody expected was the way in which resurrection life would come. And in the Gospels, one of the things that's very unique about the Gospel of John is that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see Jesus embodying resurrection on the other side of death, right? So after he's died, he's, after he died, he's raised from the dead and he starts visiting people and, and the resurrected Christ is the resurrection. But what Jesus does here is he actually pivots the understanding and it's not just that he is the one who will be raised, but in John, Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. Which means that to embrace Jesus Christ, to embrace Jesus Christ, is to embrace the miracle of resurrection. It's to embrace the miracle of his presence right here, right now. Jesus Christ is among us, wherever we find ourselves, he's among us right here, right now, teeing up miracles for us that we never would have imagined. Can you receive that? It's a good word this morning. Okay, well, I don't know, is it this morning? Whenever you're watching, preacher habits. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whenever he steps inside of situations that are deathly, that are falling apart, things begin to change. And one of the things that I note about the text and I want you to draw attention to is the hypotheticals that Mary and Martha both put forward to Jesus. Martha says, uh, 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 if you had been here, Lord, verse 21, 
my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Same thing from Mary in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was in Psalm, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They're both sort of situating themselves inside the hypothetical and trying to call Jesus into the hypothetical. Hey, Jesus, this horrible thing has happened. Our brother, we love our brother, you love our brother, but you know, if you had been here, none of this bad stuff would have happened. And isn't that like the perpetual tendency of the human mind? As we say to the Lord, Lord, if you had really been here, if your presence had really been here, then none of this stuff would have happened. Like, Lord, if you'd really been among us, if you hadn't been so far away in that other village, if you'd been right here, then coronavirus wouldn't happen. My hours wouldn't have gotten reduced. My graduation party, my vacation wouldn't have gotten canceled. All of those things, you know, we're in the middle of it right now. And it's very easy for us in the midst of situations like this to entertain hypotheticals and to call God into hypotheticals. And the thing that we always notice about Jesus in the Gospels is that he refuses to get invited into the hypothetical. In other words, he refuses to accept the situation on our terms. Jesus said to his disciples that the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. You might even remember in John chapter 9, there's a story that's told about a man who was born blind. And the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no, this, it wasn't about this person's sin. It wasn't about his parents' sin. It's not about sin. This is for God's glory. God is about to reveal something through it. And I think that that's the tendency of our minds as we go, Lord, why is all this stuff happening? If you'd really been here, none of this would have happened. And Jesus goes like he refuses to entertain the hypothetical. What he does is he gives us the gift of his presence and the promise that he has a plan to pull us up out of it. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And it might be that in this moment that we're in as a society, as a globe actually, that you're sitting there contemplating the hypothetical and you're a little bit frustrated with the Lord. Lord, why has this happened? And what did I do to merit this? And what did any of us do to merit this? Some people are talking of, uh, of, of this as though it's a judgment of God. That's entertaining hypotheticals. That's peering into spaces that we have no business going. We don't know any of that. We can't know any of that. What we can know is that God is with us, that he's present right now, and that the one who is with us is not just, he's not just the God who gives us a hope for a future in the sweet by and by, but he's the resurrected one who's bringing resurrection life and power among us now. Years ago, I was, a, uh, I was an associate pastor in Oklahoma, and uh, we got a call one day from a lady in our congregation who uh, had fallen sick. She was dealing with some stuff kind of in her internal organs, and she needed some pastors to come and visit with her. And so we went to the hospital to go and see her, and she was just in such distress. And really, it was one of those distressing situations where um, it's, it's, it's distressing to be sick. It's more distressing when the doctors don't really know what's going on. And in the case of this lady, the doctors really had no clue what was going on. There was sort of a mass systemic breakdown of her internal organs and they just could not pinpoint the issue. And this was a woman of great faith. And uh, I remember when we were visiting with her, she kept saying to us, you know, like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Is God trying to teach me a lesson? What is he doing? I just need to kind of get my faith going. And so she was, there was such tension inside of her. So we prayed over her that day and she got a little bit better and she was out of the hospital. And then a couple weeks later, she was back in the hospital and we went and we prayed for her. And 
She'd get out of the hospital and she'd be back. And it, this went on like this for months, in and out of the hospital. And every time she went back into the hospital, it was worse every time. And I remember one of the times that I went to visit her, she said, you know, Andrew, I just feel like the Lord is calling me to claim my victory inside of this. She goes, so I've been doing Jericho marches around the lobby of this floor. And there was just such stress. There was such tension inside of her. And she's peering into the, into the dark, trying to find answers for her situation. And I remember this went on for months and months. It was probably six months or so, maybe nine months, that it was in and out of the hospital and her health just continually failing her. And I, I remember visiting her one day and uh, whatever the situation was that she was in, it was really starting to gobble up her body. And she was down to less than 100 pounds probably. And she was sitting, she was laying in her hospital bed and I was sitting next to her holding her hand. And she's got tears rolling down her cheeks. Andrew, I just don't understand. Why is this happening to me? And where is God in this? Where is God in this? And I think that that is a question, those two questions are questions that we always ask. Where is God in this and why is this happening to me? And those are, those are indecipherable questions that you can't, there's nowhere, there are no obvious or evident answers for those things. And I remember sitting with her and I'm just, I've used up all of my pastoral wisdom at this point. And I looked, we were in a Catholic hospital and I remember looking on the opposite wall from where I was sitting and I saw a crucifix. And so a crucifix is a cross with Jesus still on it, right? And I remember it just finally clicked for me in that moment. Like, I don't have answers for you right now. And God doesn't have answers for us that are gonna satisfy our intellect. What he does have is the gift of his presence. And I remember saying to her, her name was Lisa. I remember saying to her, Lisa, look over there on the wall. Do you see that? That is God's pledge to be God with us and God for us forever. So you ask the question, where is God? God is right here and he is right now. He hasn't left you and he hasn't forsaken you. Lisa eventually started getting better and before I had a, a I kind of lost track of her story over the course of the years. Um, in the next year or so, we had moved to Denver, Colorado and we were helping some friends out with a church plant and some years passed, probably four or five years passed. And I remember it was during the season of Easter one year at our church in Denver. We were in the basement of a little Baptist church and I'm preaching away during Easter and I looked and in the back row, I saw Lisa there. It was amazing. And I, I nearly made me fall off my seat while I was preaching, you know. And, uh, and I remember just preaching and thinking, I gotta get the service over so I can talk to her. And so the service ends and sure enough, Lisa comes up and she is vibrant and she is alive. I said, Lisa, I haven't seen you in years and we haven't talked, tell me what is going on. She goes, Andrew, I don't know how it happened, but somehow the Lord turned my situation around. She goes, now I'm living here in Colorado. I've got a great house and a town up in the mountains. I've got a wonderful job and the Lord has put my life back together. And she said, I just wanna thank you for walking with me through that whole season. And I, that to me is like an example of what we're talking about here. The Lord Jesus, friends, is present among us and he's dialing up miracles for us. And the key thing for us is really just to put our confidence in him and to wait. Because here's the thing about the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, is that nobody really can rush Jesus along. Jesus sort of operates on his own timetable. And, and when we let him, he works things. You know, Ecclesiastes says that he does everything, he makes everything beautiful in its time. That if we'll wait on him, he's got good things in store for us. Psalm 130, I wanna leave you with this. 
As we close here, Psalm 130, listen to this. This is a psalm of waiting on God, waiting for God's timing. The psalmist says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption, and he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I'm praying grace over my New Life East family this week. I thank you that you are the God who has promised to be God with us, God for us forever. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so I pray for the dawning of your presence, the falling of your presence upon every family and upon every home and upon every life. And I ask, Lord, wherever we are defeated, wherever we feel discouraged, Wherever we feel hopeless, I'm asking that you would uh, let your presence rise in a tangible way, a way that we can see and feel and know and sense. And I pray that we would know you in our midst as the resurrection and the life, the one who's leading us through to resurrection life. So I'm praying this day, I'm praying resurrection life upon every family that calls New Life East home and everybody that's watching this. I ask that the resurrection life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would fall. I ask that there would be great courage, a rising of great hope, and a rising of great strength. Grant that, I'm asking you, O Lord, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. New Life East family, you are loved. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you. Amen. See you next week.